All right, welcome back to the Major Journey Podcast. Today's cannabis player is the Vice President of Innovation at Wana Brands, where he oversees their research and development program, new product design, educational training content, and growing partnerships with new cannabis technologies. He's led the team in creating Wana's new quick line of gummies and tinctures that use innovative encapsulation techniques to increase bioavailability of cannabinoids that bypass liver metabolism and take effect quickly. He's also developed Wana's online interactive training program for bud tenders and employees that covers the science of the endocannabinoid system and directed the development of Wana's vape line, including the line's unique proprietary terpene blends. Now, previously, he managed Wana's sales team of seven, where, they quickly grew, where the quickly growing business pr proved demanding but rewarding as his team expanded Wana's shelf presence in the vast majority of Colorado's dispensaries with a three-year growth rate of 203%. He is currently enrolled in a master program for cannabis science and therapeutics at the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy, and he has a bachelor's degree in the environmental science and technology from the University of Maryland. And without further ado, I am honored to welcome Mike Hennessy to the show. Mike, welcome. Hi, Mike. Thanks so much for having me on. Hey, I appreciate your time. You, you obviously have a lot under your belt and your hands are in a plethora of different exciting projects with Juana. So thank you for taking the time out to uh, to be here with us and, and chat about how you got into the industry today. I always make time to talk about cannabis. I love that. I love the attitude. Uh, so so Mike, if you if you could just take us back to what brought you to cannabis, right? What kind of piqued your interest and what was that journey like that led you to working with Juana and creating and innovating everything that that you guys have done up until this point? So going way back, um, I wasn't a uh, I wasn't a youngster consumer. I didn't start until college. Um, you know, I it was around me in in younger years, but I, I was a kind of one of those. I, I maybe listened to Dare a little too much. I, I didn't I didn't have anything against cannabis, but I was not a consumer. Um, and it wasn't until college that I started dabbling, and I said, "Well, well, this is not at all what they told me." <laughs> and uh, that was the first thing that just piqued my interest of there's something we're not being told um, mm -hmm. it, it is really what I think started the questioning and the desire to learn more. Um, so I, I was going to school at the University of Maryland in College Park. And um, at that point in time, I had some great roommates. I was studying environmental science. And one of those roommates had epilepsy. Hmm. And that was actually my first insight into the true medicinal properties of cannabis. Um, he had, he had seizures somewhat frequently, a, a few a month. But if he was using cannabis, he had no seizures. And when the campus, we couldn't find any, uh, any you know, <laughs> <laughs> cannabis on the street or whatnot, he, he would have more seizures. And there was a clear correlation, and I could visibly see it as his roommate, between when he was using cannabis and when he wasn't. Wow. So that was the second big thing of saying, there's something they're not telling us. There's something more to learn about this plant. Mm -hmm. uh, it's there's something really interesting here. Um, I graduated in 2012. Um, that was the same year my good friend moved to Colorado, um, kind of in pursuit of getting involved in the cannabis industry. I came out for a visit um, and pretty much learned the water was warm. It was it was a really interesting space. Um, it was a very nascent industry. Uh, grows were just getting started. Laws and regulations were just being implemented. Um, 
it was still a more of a caregiver market where people signed up as caregivers and people signed up as patients. And that was about as far as it really looked in the, the very early years here in Colorado. Um, and so I moved out, got involved. My first job was a courier. And that was my foot in the door to cannabis. I transported cannabis between grows and between manufacturers and dispensaries. Got to really learn learn the actors and, and learn the uh, operators in the space. Mm. So that's that's a bit of how I got started to with this. That's really interesting. And so I'm sure I'm sure you've you've seen, experienced, and and learned a lot uh, throughout this journey. But one thing I wanted to ask you was. What's something that you may have learned along the way, especially on the path in the cannabis industry that maybe you think that, you know what, I probably couldn't have gotten this type of experience or, or education in another industry that maybe is a little bit more traditional? Well, kind of picking up from when I first got started as a courier, um, it, cannabis is a plant. You can think of it like agriculture, but especially back then, there was nothing very agricultural about it. Um, outdoor grows were not common if, if even, I don't think the legislation had even allowed for them back then. So it was cultivation indoors and it was learning what that meant, how different lights affected cannabis, um, how different strains were being extracted. It was, it was a lot of the whole industry learning how to do things at scale. How could you make enough to supply the market? Um, after being a courier, I got started as a sales rep at WANA. And, and that's really where my journey got started. But we were, we were actually, as a sales rep, not only selling our product, but we were also being advocates and buyers of cannabis. We were trying to get a hold of enough material to keep the business running. Mm -hmm. So we would have weekly goals that we were always scrambling for to, to find enough cannabis. So that was something that you couldn't have learned outside the industry. You know, it, it was the, the entire community together was learning this. What were the best extraction techniques? There were so many changes through that time from, it was at first butane extraction into oil. All there was was crude oil. That was the only extract. These days, people will give you a funny look if you are still infusing with crude cannabis oil. <laughs> so we've completely moved away from that. And then, then distillate came along. They were using short path distillation equipment. And then CO2 extraction came. And these days we're, we're utilizing CO2, butane, other alternative methods. There's water hash, ice hash, rosin, resin, fresh frozen material. There's many, many ways to extract cannabinoids and terpenes. Um, and so once you start to learn how to produce the plant, you learn how to extract the plant. And then you start to learn about what different compounds you're extracting. THC was what was the only thing anybody was looking for in the early days. It was how much THC could you get? What is my price per milligram of THC? That's all that people cared about. Um, but that's where science really started to come in. And um, working within the industry and looking to the science, I think was a really interesting and unique opportunity for me. And what the industry as a whole was learning is that it was a lot more than THC. Obviously, CBD has become big, and those are the two dominant cannabinoids we all know about. But terpenes play a huge role, we believe, and I'm sure many listeners know about the entourage effect. Why would two different strains in a dispensary 
that both have 22% THC have such differing effects? How could one be so stimulating, energizing, get you through that load of laundry and onto the dishwasher and your whole house is clean by the time you know it? And then the other, you've sat in for a movie or two or three and you're not going anywhere. A lot of that's believed to be terpenes and, and minor cannabinoids, um, you know, going beyond THC and CBD, looking to new ones like CBG and CBN um, and others that we're going to start to see coming into the pipeline more like um, CBC and some very minor ones like CBT. We don't know a lot about these yet, but seeing how different CBD and THC and terpenes can alter the effects of products. I think we're going to see a lot more research and innovation around those. Yeah, it's so fascinating. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up about how, you know, it's not just about the THC content, because I think like, I would say there's, there's been that notion of, I just want the highest percentage of THC in the strain. I just want to go into the dispensary and get that. But sometimes you might not have the best experience, right? And it does come down to that terpene profile. And like you said, you could have a string with 22% THC and a string with 22% THC, but the experience is going to be totally different depending on the rest of, of how that particular strain is, is genetically made up. Um, and so that's, that's a super fascinating thing in, in how we decide what strains and what products we choose to, we, we decide to pick and choose from. Uh, one of the things that was running through my mind was when you when you look back on the early days of Wana and 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 how far as a collective you guys have have come over over the course of a few years, what do you think really was able to help propel you and the entire team out of where it started and to break through some of the white noise and just the the loudness of of the market? To, to propel you guys to where you are today? Do you think it was a combination of the leadership, the innovation, the focus on science? What, what from your perspective, what do you think really kind of spearheaded the, the, traje the trajectory that you guys are on today? It's a multitude of different reasons. And, and you hit on a lot of those. Um, I mean, number one was being an early entrant in Colorado gave us that opportunity to learn along the way. We weren't trying to step into something and learn years of knowledge that had been gathered in the industry. Wana was able to learn along the way and learn from both our mistakes and other competitors' mistakes, other producers' mistakes, and, and utilize that. A lot of it also was, was um, our leader, Nancy Whiteman, our CEO, her vision for Wana, that this was going to be a national and international company. We weren't trying a get-rich-quick scheme. It wasn't a let's just get people high. It was create a really functional, effective product that, to our tagline, really enhances people's lives. So if you take that as your guiding mantra in the cannabis industry, you're going to take it great places. There was a few, I think, pivotal changes in the industry, and the way WANA reacted to those, we could really look at as... Um, jump off points for, for the brand to really get out ahead of, of what was going on. Um, the, the, the first was, this sounds silly these days, but um, product testing. We were testing for potency. <laughs> you know, when I started, uh, the Denver Post purchased a series of edibles from dispensaries around the city. And they found that only a fraction of them contained anywhere near the potency listed on the label. Some way higher, some way less. Mm -hmm. This is when stories were rampant of people just way overdosing on edibles. 
Wanted before it was acquired was potency testing. We saw that as we're delivering an experience and the dose of that is going to guide your experience. The next one was around product safety, keeping this out of the hands of children, making sure that adults were using this properly. And that regulation did come from the state requiring THC logos to be put on edibles. Mm. That was one of the times when we really looked and said, gummies are a great product form. We'd made other things. We'd made bars. Um, we'd made brownies and cookies. But labeling those with the THC logo seemed challenging. Mm. But gummies are amorphous and can be molded into molds. So we started custom making molds. It's now our, our classic well-known shape around the world. Um, and that clearly lets customers know this is a THC product, not a regular gummy. Um, we got way out ahead of that, developed all the technology to do that before the regulations went in place. So when it came along, WANA was one of the top producers and able to get our product on shelves into market safely following regulations while others were playing catch up. From there, I think it was a dedication to product quality, um, not only of the edible itself, which WANA are the best tasting gummies out there thanks to diligent research on the pectin we use, which keeps our products vegan, um, to the organic ingredients we're now using here in Colorado and going to be taking that out of state, and the work we do with our flavor houses and all the R&D that my team does on creating great flavors. But we also understood that Again, back to this idea that it's an experience. The gummy is a delivery system, not the end-all, be-all. It's the delivery system for cannabis. I think a lot of the work we did on creating ratios, a variety of one-to-one, two-to-one, five-to-one, ten-to-one ratios of THC and CBD gave an assortment of different products for different um, use cases and, and times that you might want to, to use cannabis. A, a, a ten-to-one is great for when you're just looking for some of the medicinal effects of CBD and aren't really looking to get high. One-to-one, -one, I think, is just a perfect balance all around. And five-to-one, we are finding, we're great for people for sleep. Um, and, and we're going to continue innovating in that fashion around what is the formulation that goes into the gummies, which is more, which is equally important, if not more important than the flavor, right? And it, it's what can we deliver? How can we help people use cannabis and get the experience they're looking for. Um, I think to that point, many people aren't coming into dispensaries to get as high as possible. Mm -hmm. Let's say what has the most THC, but that's all they know. They're just trying to get a good deal. So we can't, we can't blame consumers for that. But usually they're trying to find the product that's going to help them get a better night's sleep or have a great time hanging out with friends after work um, or just relaxing in the evenings. These aren't purely, you know, recreational. These are health and wellness benefits that people are looking for. And knowing the wide spectrum of over 150 cannabinoids, over 250 terpenes, dialing in and learning about how we can combine those, utilize those, learning from the plant to offer different formulations that deliver what consumers are coming into that store in the first place for, which wasn't the THC, it was an effect. And they think that's THC, but it's actually a much more nuanced formulation. And, and that's what we're going to be looking for in the future. That's so cool. And I, I have to ask, because you guys do so many cool things, I, I guess we can say like behind the scenes to ensure um, just quality, what the potency is. Like there's so many different things that you guys do to test and make sure that every gummy is what you say it is. 
do you in particular have a favorite, you know, job or task that you, you know, like to work on, whether it's coming up with new uh, research protocols or just, you know, is there any kind of like particular aspect of what you do that you personally just have a, have a blast doing? Well, I'll start off on testing and saying, I don't have a favorite because if you don't have all of the minimum tests, well, then you don't have a product you should be selling. Mm. So if you're not doing, you know, <laughs> microbials, contaminants, if you're not doing, you know, the basics for potency, residual solvents, heavy metals, homogeneity, you can't have a favorite there. You need, you need the whole family. That, that's just the, the baseline level of testing. One that's not currently required by any, uh, well, I take that back. I'm not certain it's not required, but at least here in Colorado, terpene testing is not required on edibles. And terpenes are obviously a fascinating and important part of cannabis, mm -hmm. but there's still a lot of questions to how terpenes work in edibles. Do they work in edibles? They're very volatile, so they could be cooked off at high temperatures. Um, they have to go through our digestive tract, which could be damaging them. So I, I would say the, my favorite thing to be looking into from a, a testing point of view is how do we test for terpenes and edibles? How do we understand if, if they're being incorporated in the cooking process? And then how do we understand if they're actually being absorbed in our body and having an effect? So I've been working with labs around the country on how to solve for these issues. Um, gummies in particular create a big challenge on testing terpenes. They're a, they're a matrix of sugars and pectins creating this bonded network that ties up cannabinoids and terpenes, makes them, there's a lot of medium there that you have to kind of see through uh, the haze to see if there's any terpenes in there. It's, it's a serious challenge to analytical testing labs to create the methodologies to test for that. That's the first key is, how do we test for it? And then once we can test for it, let's start to see if we need to change anything in the formulations to improve how we incorporate terpenes in our edibles. At WANA, we've been thinking about this for years. So we incorporate our terpenes at the end of the cooking process. Um, we're making sure that they're not burned off. And we've done a lot of literature review and research into studies that have looked at the absorption of terpenes. And I don't have evidence yet today. It's what we're working on. But I believe that in time, we're going to find that terpenes, at least some terpenes absolutely can be incorporated, are absorbed and will have an effect on um, consumer experiences, which I think is what we see from our customers that prefer sativa wana or indica wana, or they like hybrid, or they're, they're a big one-to-one -one fan. There's a reason people pick and choose the different product assortments we have. Um, so I don't know when we're going to find that answer. I, I hope it's this year, but maybe it's next year, but that that's really exciting to me because it's something that hasn't been solved yet. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those questions we still have to answer and it's going to open doors to a lot more questions. Bet. And I, I feel like that's just what happens in this industry. And that's one of the really cool things about it. It's just like, it never stops, right? All of a sudden we make a, a breakthrough or a discovery or we find out through testing that oh, this actually reacts completely differently. Now we have to pivot. Well, now this just opens up a brand new door and there are so many more questions. And I think that's just one of the one of the most fascinating things about this industry, right? And if you couple that with the fact of how nascent it is, 
right? I mean, there's just so, so many new discoveries to be made. And I just think that's what, that's what makes in, in this particular case, it's what makes WANA so unique, right? It's how you guys pay so much attention and invest so much, you know, time, energy, and resources into testing and researching and figuring out, okay, what's the best way to make sure that there is bioavailability? How do we make sure the gummies do get delivered in a way that doesn't affect the potency? And so it's just, it's things like that, that I think consumers appreciate a lot when there is that level of care and, and attention to detail to make sure that it's not just that the product looks good, but that it also works the way it's, it's said to. Yeah. So, uh, so Mike, I want to ask with the unbelievable product lineup that you guys have, are there any, well, for one, do you in particular have a, a favorite product or maybe a product in particular that, you know, maybe you personally are just most proud of um, that you guys have released recently, maybe over the last year or so? Um, and then is there anything else that as far as WANA goes in, in the innovation department, is there anything new that we should maybe keep an eye out for uh, over the next year or so that we should maybe be expecting from, from WANA? Well, I, I will start with a bit of an admission that <laughs> as a product developer for an edibles company, I'm still a little old school in that my favorite consumption method is still smoking. I, <clears throat> I'll be, I'll be upfront about that, that that's my go-to. Um, and, and there's a lot of reasons that makes sense is that edibles truly do have a different effect on us than smoking does. Edibles are converted, talking about, you know, going back to the intro on liver metabolism. Um, many listeners may know, but for those that don't, when you consume THC, as we know it, Delta 9 THC is, is the full name, it's converted by our livers. The liver is actually just trying to get it out of our system. Um, but in doing so, it actually creates what's called a metabolite, and it's an active metabolite, meaning that it has its own activity in the brain called and that, that molecule is 11-hydroxy-THC. What's interesting about it is while the body tried to get rid of delta-9-THC, it created 11-hydroxy, which is a stronger, more potent cannabinoid with longer-lasting effects. So it creates the more sedating, heavier body highs, longer onset and longer-lasting effects of a typical edible. Mm -hmm. That's great for a lot of uses. I mean, edibles are so popular because of the effects that they offer. Um, great for people that want to have that relief for many, many hours. Great for those nights in when you want to watch a movie. Um, but smoking gives you a little bit of a, you know, a different experience, not as long, a little bit less heavy in the body, a little bit lighter. It's because it's Delta 9 THC. And that was one of the big questions we were trying to solve at Juan is, how do we overcome onset? How do we overcome this 11-hydroxy high? So we could offer two different experiences. And in two years of research, we were borrowing a lot and learning a lot from other innovators and other technology companies, many of whom were coming from the pharmaceutical space, the food space, um, places that had experience with things like emulsion and things like encapsulation, which to not get into the science, but give a high level overview, it basically just means wrapping or surrounding the cannabinoids in a water friendly layer. So you can take those oils, which are the cannabis and make them water compatible. Let them be absorbed by our bodies more easily. 
Um, and in the case for the product we developed and launched last year, the Wanna Quick, those are using an encapsulation method. So they're these very, very small, almost you could think like mini Trojan horses that carry cannabinoids. And they're so small and they so completely surround the cannabinoids that they can diffuse between cells right into our bloodstream. This means they're skipping that liver metabolism and actually delivering Delta 9 THC, the same as in a smoker's high to the brain. So that, I guess, to long-winded answer to your question is that's both the product I've had the most fun developing and working with our team and our partners at Azuka to develop. But when I consume edibles, that's my go-to product. Uh, the Wana one-to-one strawberry margarita flavor is my go-to product. I just love it. <laughs> and, and based off of that name, you know, with the shorter experience and quicker onset, we realized it was a lot like grabbing a drink at the bar after work. It was like a happy hour kind of experience. It, it was a bit of an alcohol replacement product that you could get off work, meet up with your friends, have a gummy, have a lot of fun, and you're good to go home, have dinner with kids. And, you know, you're not, you're not strapped in for this six or eight hour experience. That's super cool. And it, it's so fascinating to see how far we've come, right? Just as a as an entire cannabis community and how the products have developed and now you don't necessarily have to you know strap in for that six or eight hour ride or, or journey because of products like this and so it's just so cool to see how far we've come from the the legacy days where you had to go to somebody that you know you didn't necessarily know too well just to get a cookie or a brownie or, or whatever it might be but now you actually know exactly what you're getting yourself into and i feel like that just puts a lot of peace of peace of mind for a lot of people, both who are just, you know, adult users and also medical patients as well. Absolutely. And, you know, I, that's the exciting part about the future of what's coming down is how we've gone from that era mm -hmm. into what the new era looks like. Um, so now we have, a, you know, just store shelves with every kind of product you can imagine, so many different types of formulations and it's just the tip of the iceberg. That That's what's really, really exciting. And even decades from now, I think it will still be the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, I, you know, coming down Juana's pipeline, and, and there's so much innovation going on that's exciting, but we're looking to play more into specific use cases, as I was mentioning. So how can we help people with what they're using cannabis for? How do we make a product that's better designed to help you with relaxing? How do we make a product better designed with having a good night's sleep? Learning more about the research on some of these minor cannabinoids, we're even looking into things like how can it help with weight management and appetite? Appetite weighs beyond the munchies. How can we have products that don't give you the munchies, maybe even help you manage weight? Um, then there's, there's incorporating functional ingredients, creating immunity support blends. You know, the endocannabinoid system, as many of us are learning, is at its core, well, first off, it's just exciting that in our lifetimes, they've discovered a new system of the body. You would think that at this point in science, we'd figured out our bodies pretty well. But but even in, in the 1990s, we discovered the endocannabinoid system as this functioning system of the body. And that its primary role is homeostasis keeping our bodies in balance. 
So when we think about all the different use cases for cannabis, these aren't quick fixes. These aren't covering pain. Opioids cover pain. Cannabis doesn't cover pain. It doesn't knock you out. It's not trying to be, uh, you know, a, a sleeping pill that just knocks you out or a Xanax that just, you know, makes you brain dead, but not anxious. Cannabis helps bring your body into better balance. So it can help if we're looking at sleep, like circadian rhythms, it can help you with your sleep-wake cycles. That helps you have better night's sleep over time. Um, same with anxieties. It can help you recognize anxiety. It can help you just relax in a more natural way without completely sedating you. Um, so it, it can also have supporting systems in things like immune immunity, immune support, pulling in functional ingredients from things like functional mush mushrooms, um, other dietary supplements, um, L-theanine, melatonin, herbal supplements. These are all, I think, ways of getting to the same goal of helping people with health and wellness in a more natural way, in a more balanced way, in a more homeostatic way, as opposed to covering issues, covering pain, covering sleep. Um, so I, I see that as the most exciting direction for the cannabis industry. Yeah, I agree. I, I can't wait to see what's next in, in the next two to three years. And then I'm sure by then we'll have opened up a whole new can of worms and we'll be like, wow, we can't wait to see how this develops even further and so on and so forth. Absolutely. So Mike, I want to, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day uh, and all the endeavors that you're involved with, with Juana to, to be here with us today. If folks want to reach out to you and connect with you, what's a, what's a good way, or even with, with the Wana brand in general, what's a good way for them to reach out and get connected? Um, well, our URL is wannabrands.com. Um, if you want to reach out to me, if anything sounded interesting, um, my email is simple. It's mike at wannabrands.com. <laughs> Perfect. Mike, thank you again so much for, for being here with us today. Uh, it was an honor and a pleasure, and we're super excited to see what, what new and exciting things are going to come from Juana down the road. It's, it's going to be fun. Thanks so much, Mike. Appreciate it. Awesome. All right. That's it for this week's episode. We will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while, while we break, break it all down. down.